Welcome to today's Pizza Podcast. I'm Tony Scott. Today's guest is Scott Bell. Uh, Scott is currently an amateur scout with the Toronto Maple Leafs and has had a great career in the hockey world, starting with his youth days at Simley High School and the University of Minnesota and an amateur and a, and a professional career at the minor league level. He's also coached at the minor league level. He's coached at the Division Three level, coached at the Division One level, and is now and, and is scouted before this Maple Leafs gig with the Pittsburgh Penguins and won two Stanley Cups, correct, Scott? And it should be a wonderful show. We'll try to keep it at 60 minutes. Hope you enjoy what we got going on. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire All right, Scotty Bell, are you ready to jump into the ring of fire here and spend 60 minutes on the pizza pod? I am. Well, I don't know if we can do this one in 60 minutes. Snuggy and I went about an hour five, and we could have gone two hours and five, and I'm sure the same with you and I as well. we got a lot of ground to cover. Um, let's start off talking about your youth career. How did you get involved in hockey itself? Uh, you didn't have dad or brothers in front of you that did it, so someone from the neighborhood had to drag you down to the rink and get you into the game, right? That's exactly how it happened. I grew up in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota, no family. Wrestling won. country, right? Yep, Will Short and the state champion, Simley Spartans, won three state championships when I was there, and the Short family dominated the, the state with their wrestling prowess. But, uh, yeah, I was... Pull it closer, your mic. A little closer. There you go. There yeah, you go. there right, we sorry. go. All right, good. All um, right. Social distancing here yeah, with the microphone. Even with the microphone. Yeah, with the microphone. Um, but, yeah, I was playing street hockey. We just moved into the neighborhood, and my this guy rode by his butt with his bike with his hockey helmet on, and he's like, hey, and he ended up becoming my best friend, and he played hockey, and he's like, hey, you should go sign up for hockey. And I said, really? How do you do that? And so I went up and signed up at Emory Shoe Service in, in the little mall. He's a famous uh, skate shirtman passed away, but uh, – we signed up, and I started hockey because Troy Campbell, whose son Mason played at Rosemont, and he's the Tommy yes. Chicago yeah, architect. Oh yeah. um, he's the one that got me into hockey. Like I, he, he dragged me up there to sign up, and we played youth hockey all the way through high school hockey together and played a little bit in the USHL together. So he's been my best friend since kindergarten. Who knew that you and Troy would be the most some of the most influential people in hockey? I mean, Troy's got a really big program at Tommy Chicago and – has a, you know, it's not just Rosemont kids. He's got Lakeville kids and Egan kids. And, you know, he's doing a great service to a lot of different kids during the off season, getting them set up. And then, obviously, your career is well spoken for. Well, and Troy, you know, he approached me on the Tommy Chicago and said he was going to do this because he just wanted a different yeah, well, something that, different something. than the blades of the machine or uh, what else was out and, there, right? And something where kids could play other sports and still yes. play summer hockey. They weren't isolated to like, oh, you have to play on this. You can't skip for baseball. You, you can't miss, skip. Yeah, you miss for soccer. The or miss baseball. for baseball thing is such a joke. Like, I, come on. Here's the best part of that stuff too: is you pay them. 
They yeah. are, you, you pay them. You're, You're the, the customer. Client. You're the yeah. customer and you let them dictate your life. And I was like, it's so crazy that people were like, well, they're mad if we don't go. Well, you yeah. pay them. Like, it's your choice. And so with Tommy Chicago, he's like, hey, we want to make this affordable and we want it for multi-sport athletes. And we don't want to just, you know, singular focus on hockey, but we want to be able to play hockey. And I'm like, let's do it. So we had a 2001 team. I, I, you guys played in the... Oh, what was the name of that played tournament? A bunch of tournaments but there was one in Richfield where you guys got to the championship, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. We played a real good I team broadcast from Colorado. It. Yeah, Colorado yeah. in the championship. Yeah, and we had like Matthew Gleason, Jake Boldman, Jake Ratzloff, Mason Campbell. My son Ramsey was a 2002 goalie. But you had Robert uh, Christie on that. Yeah, team we had as well. Christie on that they team. Had the two they, Red Breezer guys. Yeah, they, they Christie were, they were and Dynamite. That was the too. best part of the team. It wasn't like it was like this pretty uh, uniform deal. Like, yeah, you had a kid with blue breezers, kid with red breezers, white helmets, black helmets. It was pretty hodgepodge. Boy, well, and that's what we liked about it because we're like, hey, just, you know, the athletes. Boltman was on that team too. Jake Boltman, an athlete, you know, played yeah. baseball, football, rats off football, baseball. Everything. Mason Wheeler was there. I mean, uh, we had uh, the Moose was there from, we had a lot of yeah. Rosemont kids, and then we had like Overman, and then we had Billy Rose on our team. We had Charlie Strobel on our team, who was just the MVP it's of the state. Unbelievable. Tournament. So we had a lot of, and we, had, we were kind of gritty. Like we were, I would say we were a little bit throwback and we had some bite to our, our team. So it was, what it was a great a, team was that that was. Oh yeah. We, I mean, we didn't know that at the time. No, but you these, didn't. these kids ended up being very good players, but we promoted and you know, like we, we got slaughtered one game because we only had like seven kids because they had a baseball tournament that got rained out. Then the next day right. they had to do play like three games. So they're all like, we have baseball coach. And I'm like, well, go like, that's what you do. And so We'll figure it out. And, you know, we got beat, but, you know, like, that's okay. Like, it was interesting, though, what you said, though. You just listed off a bunch of late 01s, right? Yeah. These are kids who are all late in their birth years. Just got absolutely no respect from from the Blades or the Machine, some of these, like, super programs that they're looking for the, the older, more developed kids when they're seven, eight, nine years old. And you picked these kids up when they were 11 or 12, and they weren't exactly, you know, bad hockey players at this point in their career, right? And no. it's like, wow, what is, you just listed off like 10 or 12 Division One players. Every one of those guys is Division One player. Yeah. and we you Or know, we'll be going on to juniors looking to get into Division One or Division Three. Absolutely. Right? And, and we didn't know that at the time, but we were, you know, we had, it was fun. And, you know, we'd practice once a week or whatever. And if guys could make it, they could, if they couldn't, you know, and they're, they're all still friends. Like, you know, we say TC babies kind of our thing. <laughs> we always chant TC babies. So. They still, and I think Troy put that on one of the jerseys for the girls, TC Baby, but that was our 2001 team. Anytime we scored or whatever, we'd go TC Baby, and we kind of liked being the guys that just showed up and we didn't have the, you know. Right. Did, uh, you didn't take yourself too seriously. No, we, I mean, we like, we had competitive kids. I mean, if you watch Charlie Strobel in the state tournament, you yeah. know, he's, he's a little psychotic, and Billy Rose, a little dirt dog down there. And oh, we had yeah. New Power actually played a couple games yeah. with us, but we had uh, uh, Svendal played for us for a little bit too, and uh, Miller from uh, uh, Tonka. We we get kids that were just like, they're looking for a home a little bit because they weren't a blades or machine or what, you know, I know they have a lot of blue army and different things now, but yeah, um, back then they, they didn't have an, an avenue for multi-sport. It was athletes. perfect. Tommy Chicago came around at the exact right time because there was this kind of like these uh, monopolies. People kind of monopolized it. It was like, well, we don't want to participate in that program. We want a little something else. And, and Troy came up with a great... 
they did. You know, and it's affordable too. Like, you know, some of these places are charging $3,000 yeah. and just absorbing some, you know, like absurd amounts of money to do these things. And it's like, we, I think he was like $500 for the exact same thing that people are paying two, 3000 for. Like, yeah. Same tournaments we played in. And yeah. I was coaching. And I'm like, I don't know if anybody had more experience coaching than, you know, than the, you did. Yeah. Than I did. So, and I, and I was like, hey, yeah, I'll do it. My kid's playing. So it was, it was a good time and it, and it was a good start. But that was the, the, start of Tommy Chicago and then it worked so well and then he his goal of Tommy Chicago initially was every kid that wants to play from Rosemont has a team to play for they don't have to go outside the community and they had the pond going there and right. what have you and so that and I think he still has that part I of think the he's thing. got yeah sure he can, does a ton of training at the pond with yep, those guys and you and can do uh uh you know if you're from Rosemont and you sign up he'll find you a team it's right. kind of what he said yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it might not be that you know I think they have different probably got levels and stuff now like they that. do but um yeah, they, I, I love that it's multi-sport athletes encouraged in that. When you were playing uh, back in the day, did you have anything like that in the summer? I mean, we just pretty much dropped the hockey stick and went and played baseball, and then we played football or soccer or whatever. Tennis, you played tennis in high school. Well, yeah, I played tennis because I got kicked off the baseball team like in eighth grade there. But uh, so Wow, do we have two hours? Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah, I want to hear that story. Yeah, yeah, the coach's kid was a kind of a – he was he was kind of bullying people around. He wanted his batting helmet that I already had on. I batted in front of him and he tried taking off my head. So oh. I, I put him down and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I guess, probably the best political move by me, but you know, yeah. it was the right thing to do. And so I didn't make the team and so I started playing tennis. But which worked out really well because Will Short uh Was he a tennis player he was, too? He he was he was looking for a sport. Willie, your well. age? Willie and I graduated the same year at Simley. What a stud. Yeah, and he was, uh, you know, the state champ wrestler and, and went on to be an All-American at the U of M and now is the coach and, you know, the athletic director at Simley. But he and I were tennis partners, and we just picked it up when the season started. And we, we won, you know, I'd say 80% of our tennis matches as doubles. Really? We played the, for three straight years, we played doubles together. It was great. Loved That's it. A, yeah. What a great activity. I love I grew up playing tennis. Tennis is great cross-sport for hockey, too. Everything. Quickness, everything. Any any sport you play. If, you can, if you're not playing baseball or another sport, like tennis is a non-contact, very good sport that you can play the rest of your life. It's it's just wonderful. Yeah, I grew up uh, at Minneapolis Tennis Club right where Parade Ice Garden is. There were clay courts there, and I could go work there for $5 a day, which meant sweeping all the courts, and got to play tennis for free all summer long. It was incredible, a great experience. You yeah, know. Mike Twilliger, who was uh, – Yeah, he was a state champion He was a state champion in tennis. I'm like, <laughs> I thought I, he, was, he, he, my, he was a real deal. So. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, talking about a multi-sport athlete. Yeah, just super competitive. You know, that's one of the most right now, right? Jefferson, Jefferson, yeah, Jefferson, sorry, Jefferson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Twigs is a is a one of a kind. That's for sure. Um, all right, let's go. Th- you 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 have a youth career. What was youth hockey like for you growing up? I mean, was it was it PBAs, uh, PBBs? Were you a superstar? Uh, what was it like? Well, I I usually was. Uh, I, I played, I think I played one B team my first year, and then yep. Simley didn't have a lot of numbers. Yeah. So they just kind of took us. All the good athletes were wrestlers, right? Well, they, well, they, they actually were because they, they <laughs> I mean, tried. Think about that. Like some of the schools, like I, I was talking to Jack Evans. He's the basketball coach. That You'll love the story. He's a basketball coach, won state titles at, at Jefferson, and his son Jeff and I are good friends from living here in Bloomington. And we got BS in one day. This is the guy. He's 30-year coach at Jefferson. He goes, man. If I could have had Mike Crowley or Tony Bianchi as my point guard, we would have won five more state titles. 
Meaning it, it, hockey got all the good athletes in West Bloomington, and Invergrove Heights wrestling got a lot of the good athletes, right? Well, how about, you know, Paul Martin was an unbelievable basketball player. In fact, Football he, player did, too, he right? did not play uh, hockey his eighth grade year. Yes, because of basketball. He played basketball. Yeah. And he ended up making the varsity team as ninth. I just, I talked to him a couple months about, I go, did you not play hockey in eighth grade year? He goes, yeah, I played basketball. And then ninth grade. He had a hard grade, time deciding. He did. And then he decided, and they won all the tournaments and stuff. And then ninth grade, the coach didn't know if he was going to try out for hockey or not until the first day. And he showed up and he played hockey the rest of his history. But his senior year, they asked him to play basketball again. And and, and baseball. And, and, and hockey. And, and But the basketball team said, uh, he Paul said, hey, if everybody agrees to it, and the one kid that he would have taken his spot said no. So out of the 15 kids, the one kid said no, and Paul's a very honorable guy. And he's like, okay, well, I don't want to take his spot. So he didn't play basketball, but Paul was an unbelievable basketball so, player. Are they too. saying they would have allowed him to play, like show up for the games? Yeah, for just hoops? for the games, yeah. They would have been dominant, yeah, right? they were good, yeah. He said they won a lot of tournaments, and I'm like, were you good? And he's like, well, you know, he's so humble. Like, yeah, I was okay, but I, I mean, he just – but he didn't play – uh, hockey, hockey for eight, one eight, season. For, for one season. That's crazy. It That's is crazy. But one of the best players to ever come out of the uh, the state of Minnesota didn't play hockey his eighth grade season. Yeah. And all these kids are so worried about missing missing stuff. one practice yeah, for yeah, baseball. Yeah, right? I know, yeah. Going it's back a, to yeah, that, you got Paulie thing. Martin is like the best ever, and he's like, yeah, whatever. Well, that's funny. It's funny to say that. Uh, talk about the best ever and all this. So like, like. There's a certain age where, like, I grew up with Tom Chorsky. He had Popeye arms, and I had, like, what was Popeye's girlfriend's name? Or... Wimpy. Wim- yeah, I had yeah, Wimpy's yeah, arms, yeah, right? Wimpy, like, yeah. And most kids did, right? Yeah. But the point is, like, you kind of knew at a certain age, like, Paul Martin was going to play in the NHL. He was going to – he was just born that way, right? He's just better than everybody. Right. There's just – those guys were just better than everybody. And then there's guys like you and I where you had to grind, right? You <laughs> grinded your way – into the University of Minnesota. Was that a fair, would it be a fair assessment? I I always viewed myself as a worker, not very skillful. Yeah. And the reason I, because I always was comparing myself to, and I, I talked to somebody about this, but I always compared myself to guys that played 10, 12, 15 years in the NHL. Yeah. So I never really thought I was a very good athlete because all my friends were exceptional athletes. Right. And excelled in everything they've done sports-wise. So I always felt like, I never was that skilled. Good enough, right. It, well, I just like, well, I got work because these guys are so much better. And then I realized, you know, now that I'm an adult, like, I wasn't that bad. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> these other guys are really just good. Really you know? good. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I was, you know, that a lot of work for me. It was, you know, it didn't just come naturally at the elite level. No way. So what was Simley like in high school? How Your team had a couple good runs, right? Uh, section final loss. Yeah, we, we had a very nice team. And the nice thing is we had all the same kids through youth hockey, like, Everybody stayed there, and we had a nice team. I mean, it was 17, 18 wins in high school. We had Denny Schuler was our head coach. His, yep. his son is Dougie. That's coaching up at St. John's and yep. just won the Mayak Championship, and I think he got coach of the year. But um, Denny kept us all together, brought us all up as ninth graders, and we all played together, and we're all still friends. A lot of them are in Rosemont with all their kids, and we still see each other at the rinks every now and then. So it's, it's I thought nice it was group. I thought it was neat as a personal uh, – to this is I was at uh you, I don't know if it was your first Stanley Cup you had a party over in Golden Valley do you remember the, the yep. party and so many of those Simley guys showed up that night to, to see the cup and and kind of oh, yeah. tribute to you yeah. so it wasn't just you know U of M guys there was like a ton of guys from Simley there well in the Grove right? I mean we stay together so I mean we grew up together and it's you know like we've always been a pretty tight-knit group and we all you know like just played sports together, whether it's baseball. We like I played baseball uh, in the summer because I got cut from the the, the organized team. But yeah. I was like the role player on there, so we all played other sports and we all hung out together. We had a really nice group in Evergrove, but it was you know like 
everybody had their thing and it was, it was just a nice community so it's it's not all rosy you have to go and play juniors which was wasn't as common as it is today to go play juniors after high school talk about your your road from from high school through juniors into the university of minnesota well bob ferguson was the coach and i didn't know about the ushl other than uh the St. Paul Vulcans were, yeah, you knew you know, what the they Hubbards, were. Yep. You know, yep. funded that thing forever. Mike Gensel was the coach, and Bob Ferguson. Uh, you can draft schools, so you'd, he had Simley as a school because I had a friend, uh, one of my teammates, Ronnie Sweeney, and actually Troy Campbell and this Terry Fishback. But uh, Wall Four got invited down to Sioux City, and Ronnie ended up being the heavyweight fighter in the league, and he was my be- he was my bodyguard. And then he ended up getting traded to the Vulcans with Mike Gensel, and they won the national championship, and Ronnie was the captain the following year. But So he, Bob Ferguson got on, uh, down there. But the funny story is, like, I called Mike Gensel, and I said, hey, I don't know what the Sioux City deal is. And I didn't know Mike that well at that time. And I said, I'd really like to play for the Vulcans. I know what the Vulcans are. And he's like, I'm not going to trade uh, a Kurt Land-type player for you. Uh, you know, I'm like... <laughs> Kurt Land and Kurt Land ended up being a, he was a Northern Minnesota kid that I wasn't that familiar with. Right, you right. Know, there so, wasn't the internet back yeah, then. Yeah, so I, I go, oh, okay, you know, like, th- thanks, Mike. You know, like, thanks, Coach Gensler. I always said Mr. Gensler or whatever. And so I went down to Sioux City and was there one year and then, you know, went to the U of M after that. And What was juniors going from high school, la-la land, hanging out with your buddies to just playing hockey in juniors in a small town compared to what you're used to growing up in? Yeah, it's Sioux City. It's, it, we call it the sewer city, right? I worked at a hide and rendering plant. I, st- <laughs> I was the cleanup boy there. Like, I cleaned up, like, you know, there's dead dog heads and stuff. Anything that came in in vats and they'd bring them into this rendering and... I was I had this nasty job, but uh, it was a good experience for me just to probably be the worst from, job of your life. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, yeah, right. yeah, we're smelling too. Like yeah. it was nasty. I brought a couple guys to try and work with me, and they refused. But you know, like I was you needed the money, right? Well, you had to pay for your housing there. Yeah, and my parents weren't paying for anything, so it was like, okay, well, you got to do what you got to do, and this was a decent job. So and probably I decent pay, right? It was like five bucks an hour, and I didn't have a <laughs> I, I didn't have a car either. Like I was one of the kids that never had a car. How'd you get there? Did you take the Greyhound? So my mom or dad. Housing dad's brother ran the plant, so he would give me a ride with him when I went, and then sometimes I'd hitchhike to the plant to get, you know, get to work, and that's just what I did. And they, or some guy from the plant give me a ride home, and so I was doing that. But I was focused on getting out of there, so I went to the weight room, work, rank. Like I didn't, you know, like all these kids do a lot of stupid stuff now. Right. I didn't. I didn't play video games. I read books. I mean, I was like determined. Like I, was, I had a singular focus, and that was to get out of there and get to the U of M. So was I, the I, Gophers. At what point in that season was the Gophers a realistic track? Well, it was for me the whole time since like ninth grade, but not for Woog. And, <laughs> and those yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't, you know, I called Doug Woog up and I'd be like, "Hey, I really like the Gophers." And he's like, "Yeah, good thing, Scott." You know, and he, I like, he liked me as a soccer player. Like he saw me play high school against his kids in soccer. And I was pretty good at soccer. He goes, "I think you're a better soccer player." He told no me one time, way. And I'm like, "Well, that may be, but I have a passion for hockey." But you know, so, but the th- my breakthrough was that Bob Shire was the assistant coach at at the U, U for like 16, 17 years. His son Mike got traded to us. So Bob came to all the games. Ah, it's like a bonus, isn't it? So Bob got to see me play. And he was the one that was my advocate for the U of M. He had to have been. Yeah, he was. I mean, I mean Wooger's a uh, an, uh, South St. Paul guy. Yeah. His kids are all playing in your same conference thing every day. Like you said, even playing soccer, he knew who you were. Yeah. yeah. And he I, was right mm-hmm. under your nose. You were right under his nose, and he was like, 
I don't want that. No, right? he right? Don't, not Invergrove, like we're the backwash, <laughs> right, right? Like right, exactly. Oh, Saul St. Paul. We had a good battle with those kids because he had all the stockyard kids there. Right. So they were kind of tough. They were tough. Yeah, because if you if you didn't play hard in the game and your dad went to the stockyard the next day at work, all those buddies gave him a hard time about how soft his kid was and how yeah. he didn't work hard. So you better play hard. It translated. So, yeah, so Saul St. Paul always had a, a gritty teams and, and good teams, and they went state like 26, seven times. We couldn't get by them. But, uh, yeah, so the Wooger knew me. But then Bob Shire was the one that, and so we came to a game when I was with the Vulcans, or playing the Vulcans at the Vulcans. I scored or I did something. Did they play at Mariucci too, didn't no, they? No, it was at Augsburg. Augsburg, okay, yeah, all right. And it was a good little rank, and, you know, family was there. That's and where I played a lot of high school games. So Brad Buto and Mike Gibbons were there, and they Jeez. they grabbed me after the game. and they're Where like, were they coaching at the time? Colorado College. Really? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. So Mike Gibbons, that's my first interaction with Mike Gibbons. And so he, they call, They brought me across the way or whatever in another locker room, and they're like, hey, we really like you. We want to offer you a, a full ride to Colorado College. And I'm like, oh, I thank you for the honor, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. I said, you know, I, I want – Doug Woog's here too, or Mr. Woog's here. I want to speak to him first before, you know, like – I but, say yes, right? But yeah, but I, I appreciate it, you know, do the visit, all that kind of stuff. I said, thank you very much. Then I went over – Talk to Woog, and he's like, hey, good game. And, I'm, and Bob Shire was the guy that's been pushing me for a while, right? Yep. And he's like, uh, you know, you, I know you want to be a golfer. I go, I do. And he goes, all we do is have a quarter scholarship for you. And he goes, you know, if you want to do that, then, you know. And I never went on a visit to the U of M, never did anything yeah. official. And he's like, um, if you want a quarter, you can come. We'd take you at the U. And I was kind of like an afterthought. And I'm like, yep, I'll take it. So then I went back, and I, I saw Brad. You turned down a a well, much better education at Colorado College. Well, I don't know about that. Ride. The U of M is actually wor- no. I, yeah. I, I'm a grad too. Hey, but the U of M is hard to get into. You get a 30 yeah. ECT and a 40, you can't get into the U of M right now. Like right. it's it's hard. But yeah, uh, back then they had general college and different things, which was you know yeah. it was all right. But uh, yeah, so I went over and I spoke to Mr. Buto, Mr. Given. I said, hey, I appreciate the offer. Um, I'm going to go to you know I'm going to commit to the U of M. And there's this no Twitter. all in the lobby. All, all in the all all lobby about at 20, Augsburg. Twenty minutes at Augsburg. And I didn't talk to my parents or ask them or anything. And and he's like, really? What are they offering? And I go, 25%. He goes, he swore a few words. And, he, and he's like, you're going there for 25% and they never play. And they got all those recruits. And you're going to turn down a full ride and a pretty much guarantee to play. And we love you. And you're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't grow up wanting to be a Tiger. Grew up wanting to be a golfer. That's that's my dream. I go, that's what I've been working for. And I'm like, so I appreciate it, but this isn't about money. This isn't about scholarship. This is about fulfilling my dream. And I go, and I'm going to do that. And he goes, well, you may never play there. And I go, eh, may not, but I'm going to try. And so he's like, he just shook his head at me, and he goes, best of luck, kid. And I go, thank you. And then I walked away, and then I went in there, and, you know, Tommy Nevers was actually one of the kids in the recruiting class. He yes. had a full scholarship. He was the golden boy. He was. But he was a first-rounder in baseball, so he signed uh, with the uh, Astros. Probably within m- a month or so of you taking this offer. Yeah, right? so I know he was in there. He was actually at the National Signing Day there, and you think he might have had a sport. First kid I saw in high school with a sport coat on. I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> you know, like, I didn't even have a sport coat in high school. Like, I, I barely had a tie. Like, um, But, uh, yeah, so he ended up signing baseball, so it opened up a little bit of a spot for me. But I, I started on the JV. I was in the JV locker room. And Wooger really? Didn't, Wooger didn't make it easy for me. I was the only scholarship player in the JV locker room. Every weekend I'd have to carry my bag past the visitor varsity team down to the yep. varsity locker room and walk down there, and he'd make me play with the JV game two games a week and then two varsity. I, I mean, I played five games a week. and Really? I, I, I mean, I practiced twice. Like, I, he, he just – 
I was, uh, At it, what it point in your career was it like, okay, I get to get in the locker room and I've, I finally earned my stripes? Was it right away after a year? Or what was no, it? It was towards the end of my freshman year when I, I think I played like 20 consecutive games on the varsity. Yeah. And, and they, like, they said, and I kept showing up for all the JV games and I'd go yeah. on the road. Like I went down to Susie, I'd go on the road, North Iowa. We scrimmaged all these teams and I, I'd go on the trips with all the JV players because yep. I'm like, well, I, you know, why went I? What else am I doing? Right. Yep. And I practiced varsity, get on the bus and go play the JV game someplace. And he's like, hey, well, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so I don't have to do that anymore. And they're like, no, you don't have to do that anymore. Just go on. They gave me a spot in the varsity locker room. And I'm like, okay. Oh man, this is good. This is so, juicy stuff. We we were just basically scratched the surface at this point. Yeah, so, so that, that was a little bit twenty three minutes. Yeah, that was know? my first. Yeah, but I, it was interesting. So I know all the JV guys and the varsity guys. Yeah, it was good. All right, so talk about. I I know you had a good career at the U, but I I just want to get to one quick story. Um, and I've told you this many times. I was stumble across YouTube video and somehow got to the fight between uh, the Gophers and North Dakota. And you basically jumped into the... If you go to YouTube, I don't know how you're going to find it on YouTube, but it was like Kitten That Roars. It was like, it was it was just vintage U of M hockey stuff at the old Mariucci. What happened? Tell me what happened. Well, I, you know, yeah, everybody has a role on the team. And yeah. I was a worker. You're fire and, plug. Yeah, and I yep. was. And, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I really felt like, you know, like you felt good wearing the M and like you're playing for your team. So I, I'm a big teammate guy and someone did something cheap to like Craig Johnson or some, somebody on my team. That Pretty kinda, boy, right? Yeah. Craig was actually kind of, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I'm he's sure like he Adonis. He's a nice, he's the nice guy. He's my roommate. He's a nice guy in the world. His, his, his son Ryan's at the U of M yep. too. Um, but uh, someone did something and then some guy said something to me and he kind of cheap shot. It was a dirty play. Ear, ear hold me or did something that just, and my trigger, Set you off, my right? trigger went, and when it goes, sometimes it's not good. So, I just, I didn't care. I didn't really. I had no concern for myself. Or but you and, literally jumped into the North Dakota. Bench. Yeah, I, I think the doors open. I might have went in there trying to get them. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really. At certain point, you don't really care. Like self uh, preservation goes out the window, and you're just like, okay. And it was, you know, we had helmets on. No one like. No one got hurt. hurt. Yeah, it wasn't like any, but I mean, I really didn't care if I got hurt. I was like, you know, like I would, I, you know, I grew up, I'd take one, I'd take two to give you one. So I had an older brother. I'd be, if you know, like you get beat up. I was okay getting beat up if I could get you for one or two. Just so I got a little bit. So I'm like, I didn't. The beatings didn't bother me too much, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get you one." So I guess I went in there, and you know, that was fun. North Dakota was great rivalry. You know, they had Geno Gasparini there, and they had Dave Haxtell actually was on that team. Benny Hankinson, Dave Haxtell had a brawl at the center ice in one of the games, and we had a great rivalry. It was like, and uh, Greg Shepard was the ref, and he let you play a little bit. You you know, wasn't everything was videoed and like hit to the head, and they say, "Oh boy, he's too hit him too hard." Like. You could get, he'd tell me, like, Scotty, stop doing that. And I'm like, okay, sorry. You know, like, uh, but it was a different time, and you could be a little bit more physical and more aggressive. So funny. Shep's got such a, you know, I, I know Shep. He's got grandkids that are now in, you know, daughter, oh, yeah. da- uh, granddaughter that was played for South St. Paul in the state tournament this year. He's got a couple grandsons that have done a, a bunch of great stuff, the Madigan boys. And it's fun. I, I've gotten to know him. And, um, we talk about old times like this, and he, and whenever I'm around guys that played in WCHA, and Shep is there, they'll come up and they'll like start talking, and it's always 
Mr. Shepherd, and they like bow to him, like they, they kind of put their hands together. They're bowing down to him, and they talk to him, and 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 he remembers, and he can recite plays and penalties and games, and it's just a, it's a neat thing to have a guy like that who's just seen it all and been in front of it all, and he's still a, he's literally a ref. 24-7 ref. You know that, right? Oh, like yeah, He could yeah. talk about it all day long. He's the gold judge now at the state high school hockey tournament. So I'm up in the press box, and I go, hey, what would you think of that? And then he like he he takes it super seriously, you know, and he's totally into it. Oh, yeah, and he's got the bat. He walks with the he can, he distinct walk. I was walking oh, yeah. to the airport like, I don't know, a month ago, and I was literally – 20 feet behind a guy and I didn't see him and I knew it was him and I yelled Shep because I saw his walk and he turns around and goes, Scott it. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Shep? You know, but uh, yeah, he's one of the legends of the game that's been there since, you know, since uh, I was in high school and his son, actually, we played uh, Derek and he yeah. was at Sibley. We beat him in the section semifinals. Really? And he still remembers it. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, um, but, you know, like good family, good hockey people. Great uh, people. Great intentions, you know, uh, honorable, like good integrity, nice people. Really Love like them. Shep. Love yeah, Shep. Absolutely. All right. So you get out of college hockey. Uh, what's what's what what are your career opportunities at this point? You've had a lot of them. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't hold about. I, I didn't. I didn't have an idea what I was going to do, like business wise or hockey wise. I thought I was just going to go play in the NHL because all my friends did. Like, <laughs> right? Who are you, who are your roommates? Yeah, who are like, guys that you played with? Yeah, Craig Craig Johnson, Darby Hendrickson. I mean, we you know Jeff Nielsen went to the NHL. Joe Dizik went to the NHL. Mike Muller went to the NHL. Trent Klatt went to the NHL. Tra- uh, Travis Richards he went in the and you know like all all the guys that I played with. Or Mike, Chris McAlpine went to the NHL. Ben Hank, you know, like there's a Kenny. All these guys went to the went, NHL. Uh, you finished the sentence. Yeah. Kenny Janander. Kenny right? Janander. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, I just kind of thought I'd go play in the NHL. I didn't realize how good it was, or you know, <laughs> right. like, yeah, but yeah. I didn't have like my ultimate dream wasn't. To, I didn't know about the NHL. I didn't grow up watching the NHL. I grew up watching right. the Gophers. Right. But all my friends were playing. And I'm like, well, I'm you know, I'm not that far off of them. But I can go I, do it, right? But I really was, you know, like I didn't because <laughs> they 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 were doing my job at the NHL level. Right, right. Like they, they ended were, up doing your job. They right. ended up doing my job at the NHL level. They weren't the skillful. They were the most skilled guys I played with in my life. But and at think the about NHL that. Level, when they get the NHL, Craig Johnson, who's probably the most skilled players, he was. He made the book for Hill Murray, one of the best players from Hill Murray, right? Yep. Best players at the U. Yeah. And he gets to the NHL, and he's maybe third line. Well, Darby Hendrickson, like he was, he came in as an all freshman team, Mr. Richfield, Mr. Hockey, Mr. Mr. Everything. Everything, number seven, Neil Broughton, like scored, I think, 25 goals his freshman year at the U, yeah. played on the Olympic team, and then he had a wonderful career in the NHL, made, you know, like did wonderful things, great teammate. He ended up being like a third line face off specialist, penalty kill, and he was, you know, one of the more skilled guys skilled coming guys out of the seen. state of Minnesota yeah. that had. You know that it's that just showed you how hard it is to get to the NHL. And Joe Dedzik, you know, like in college, I probably had better stats than him, but he was a freak athlete, right? Like he's six four, two twenty. He was know. Joe Maurer before Joe Maurer. Yeah, he, he was a great football player, great baseball player, all state and everything, great everything, all metro and everything, everything. did everything. Could have went. To, he had uh, USC, UCLA had for uh, football for football tight yeah. end. He probably would have played in the NFL actually. You've seen his body. I mean, it's just—it's not fair. You well, know, you that he, much athletic ability in a frame like that—it's you could just pick your sport. Right? Yeah, he—he he was six four, two twenty, and he played like he was five nine, one sixty. Like yeah. he could move that well. And our football coaches—we had better football players 
all state fo- we have more all state football players on our hockey team than they did at that time <laughs> at the Gopher football. Like Doug Zamolek was a freak athlete, yeah, and you know he ended up being a tough guy in the NHL. But he was quarterback of his football team and could play anything. He do it all. Uh, Joe Dedzik, Trent Clatt was all state football. Chris yeah. Miguel Payne was all state football. I mean, we had the, these football players that were exceptional Great athletes, but they players. just liked the hockey. So interesting deal, but yeah, it was. All so, right. so I learned that hey, well maybe uh, this is a little different level than. Then I realized. So did you, you, I know you played, talk about just briefly about what, what your minor league career looked like. Was it a year, two years, three years? Well, it was a couple of years. I played in the IHL with the Moose for a little bit and with Indianapolis with the Chicago's farm team. And then uh, I played in Providence in the AHL. Peter Laviolette was actually one of my teammates there. No way. Yeah. Um, and then Bob Francis was our coach. Emil Francis was his dad. But there were some guys that did some good things in hockey. Peter Laviolette would probably be the guy, but he was our captain. He actually played D3 hockey. Yeah. But ended up being, you know, doing very well for himself in hockey, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I crossed paths with it. But I played in the minor leagues, East Coast, IU, U-Haul. I bounced around. I, I knew at some point I realized, like, my body, I you know, I broke my face, broke my shoulder, tore my MCL three times, cracked my vertebrae in my back, had, you know, probably a dozen concussions and just wrist, every, everything. Fingers. Oh, you ruptured your spleen too. Ruptured While my spleen. While playing a game, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, there's, uh, my body just couldn't keep up with what, how I played. And I kind of, it, it just, I realized that. And I wasn't good enough to, skillful enough or smart enough to sustain it to get to, I could maybe have gotten, if I stuck it out in the minors, I think I could have probably had a cup of coffee. Yep. But I just wasn't that good. And I realized, hey, I'm, I, I could maybe be a really good coach. So then what? So then I got into coaching, and that's... And your coaching tree, you had a lot of coaching influences, right? Uh, even at this point, you know, you had high school coaches, youth coaches. Uh, how did you... What, what, who did you lean on to... Uh, you decided this is what you want to do, get, get into coaching? Well, actually, Doug, Doug Wooga, I worked his summer camps when I was... Uh, Doug Wooga, Kiwad Nippy, it was up in there in Ely Babbitt and Barris yeah. and uh, Giants Ridge. Like, mm-hmm. I did those schools all through college as my summer job and I had kind of a knack for it and I enjoyed it. Like it wasn't work for me. And so, and I like doing it with the kids and stuff. And so I was run, as, as my junior, senior year in college, I was running my own groups and the other like high school, Russ Welch. And they had all these different guys up there, the high school coaches that yeah. uh, Hendrickson's were up there front, you know, like uh, had people coaching and I had my own group and I think I might've been the only college kid that, and then I had like Justin McHugh and other, my teammates that would, I would have them work with me. Right. So I kind of knew that maybe that's where I want to go. I just didn't realize the path would be so windy and, you know, yeah. so, so very fruitful and other things other than financially, but, you know, right. very, very fruitful. So let's go through your coaching background. So you, you get done playing, and then you start coaching where? I started at Simley with uh, Bob Rajnan. I was really? assistant coach there. Greg Rajnan is his brother. That's the head of Central Scouting, but Bob was my high school coach. So I started first year at You're Simley. You're the biggest name dropper ever. Yeah, this well, they, 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 I mean, these are, these are Minnesota hockey people. Like, I, my path has crossed a lot of different levels. Yeah. So I know a lot of different people. So, you know, sometimes if you stay in one spot, you know that spot really well. Well, yeah. I, I've had the nice opportunity of being up and down that ladder to the highest level, to the lowest level, and, and you know, met a lot of wonderful people that are, you know, I'd say they're the the fabric of Minnesota high school. Like, you know, like. Uh, it really is. It, it is. Like, you know, a lot of people have done a lot of different things in, in hockey, and I've been lucky enough to cross paths with a lot. Before we turn the recorder button on, recording button on, we went through the Jersey Project book. We went through all 149 teams, and you're like, oh, I know him. 
I know him. I know him. I worked with him, coached with him. Oh, that's a good choice. You know, it yeah. was just because it was a fun little trip down memory lane, right? You yeah. see all the teams and the, see what the fabric really is. Isn't just Minnetonka, Edina, Grand Rapids, and Duluth East. There's more teams than that, right? Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing about hockey. It brings a lot of different people together. And you don't have to be a star to be involved in hockey, or you don't have to be whatever, the big name or whatever, family name. Like hockey's, you know, hockey's for everyone, and it's a nice thing in Minnesota. We're the mecca of hockey in the United States, and, you know, you could even say maybe North America because it, it's it one really of the is. thriving it's places for hockey still. We'll get to that in a minute, like oh, when we get to your scouting and, and what what makes up a scout and where scouts live and what they're doing, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, okay, so you, you, we're only at the, your first year of coaching. So after Simley, where do you go? I mean, you're like, you spent a lot of time uh in, in division three for sure right yep. so i went to augsburg college yep. i was the hall director there and was going to grad school and working with mike schwartz <laughs> and uh, jason God, williams yeah. was the other uh no assistant. way yeah so that's where jason and i kind of crossed paths other than when he was with the vulcans with my buddy ronnie sweeney and dave larson and mike all, all these you know wardle yep. and and uh gents were the coaches but um went to Augsburg College and was the hall director there. And Mike Schwartz had neck surgery that year, so he didn't go on the ice for a couple of years. So he pretty much co- ran it, didn't he? Well, Jason, Jason, Jason and I did. Mike Schwartz was – the wonderful thing about Mike Schwartz was he thought outside the box, and that's one of the things I learned from him. Right. I, I was kind of – I was more of a straight-line thinker as coaching. At the time, right? At the time, yeah. And I yeah. was young, and I mean, I think I was 23 or 4. I didn't write around there, and I was coaching the college kids and still friends with some of those kids, actually. Yeah. Um, and some of them, you know, were – all Americans and really, I mean, Martin Holenko was, I mean, that kid played in the, you know, he's an NHL uh, signee out of D3. Yeah. And he was the kicker for the, that. for the Augsburg team. They went, they went to the final four in football and he was the kicker and he kicked in arena football, but this kid came out of Farmington high school. He was first team all American uh, at Augsburg and he, he was outstanding. Saw Stevie Aronson was at St. Thomas when I coached. Yeah. I never had seen him or, you know. What a player. Huh? I was like, oh, my God, what is this kid doing at this level? I called Doug Wooga up after we watched him. I go, hey, I just found the next player for you. You're going to be the captain of your team. And Wooga's like, oh, you know. It was before they had open minds, but I was like, yeah. this kid's baller. And he ended up signing the first player the Wild ever signed was Steve Aronson. Right. And he was D3 National Player of the Year. And he's the best player I, I've seen. And I coached in the MIAC for – what, six years at Hamlin, Augsburg one year, St. Thomas one year. So I've been in the Mayak eight years. Steve Aronson is the most dominant player I've seen play yeah. at that level, and he did it all. Like, he was he was spectacular. And now he's assistant coach at Minnetonka High School, so we're friends now, but I know him. And he's as, the most laid-back guy you'll ever meet. You know, except for in sports, yeah. he'll, he'll cut your eyes off, out, no, right? But on the, and your heart, ice, and he'll eat it. Ice, he's just crazy. Ice, yeah, off the ice, off gentlemen. Off the ice, just, oh, yeah, super laid-back. Honorable. I mean, high, high integrity. One of one of my, uh, you know, like just really good persons. So, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. So uh, I was at Augsburg. We ended up winning the league, uh, winning the playoffs, and then we went to the final four uh, for D three hockey. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned you were at St. Thomas, and the only reason I brought this up, you, I know that you work for Terry Skrypek, and that's one of the more legend most most. How do you say it? Uh, he's a legend. Yeah, yeah he's a legend, but but not necessarily by today's standards. People don't when you don't think of Terry Skrypek as one of the better because he didn't. You know, he was great at Hill Murray and he was great at St. Thomas, but he never really had like a long tenure at either one where he could become a legend in one specific area. But he's just one. The guy kind of coach who won everywhere he went. He just winner. Why was it? Yeah, I, I will. I will say this about Scry. Like he made hard decisions. Yeah, and, and he didn't make decisions based on 
anything other than what's best for the team. And yeah. uh, the one, uh, one, one episode of that where I distinctly remember when we were on the bench and we were playing actually Augsburg, and our goalie was terrible, and he was our star starting goalie, right? Yeah. Uh, Zach Sikich, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and Threw Zach him was, right on the bus, right? Well, yeah. well, but Zach was great. Like, he, yeah. you know, Zach ended up taking him to the finals, and they went to the national championship game, and he was out of his mind good. Like, he was – Zach Sikich is wonderful. He played in the minors, actually. I set him up uh, in Muskegon during the lockout. I think it was Muskegon, or maybe it was in Detroit. Oh, in Detroit had a U-Haul team. I sent him there as, like, the backup goalie. Yeah. They had the lockout, so he played with Chris Chelios and all these guys and Sean right. Avery. And then Chris Chelios was friends with uh, uh, Kid Rock. Yeah. So Sicky called me up one night, and he's like, hey, thanks for, you know, like, we were still friends. Yeah. And he's like, hey. I'm at Kid Rock's bar. Pamela Anderson is here, and I'm sitting next to Chris Chelios after one of the games because they were all there in the U-Haul during the lockout, but Sicky was our guy at St. Thomas, and he was, you know, John, we had all these good players, right? But, right. But Sicky was, you know, he was dynamite, and he was super competitive, but he had a bad game, right? Right. And Scry, he and Scry always were kind of going back and forth, and Scry's like, I'm sick of it, and he just pulled him, and we put in our third-string goalie that had never played a game, and he described was just like, I'm done with him. And, you know, like in that moment. Yeah. And he took him out. There was 10 minutes. It was a tie game. 10 minutes left in the game. And we put, and we had a win. And he put this, our, our player that had never played a game. And he just did it because he was, it, it was, was, it was just on principle, right? Was yeah, it, yeah. was it, it wasn't just on principle. And he pulled him, put him in. We won the game. And I'm like, boy, that's a bold move. But, you know, if you want to win, you got to make bold moves sometimes. And, he won at Hill Murray. I think he might have been the coach with the only undefeated team there at yep. Hill Murray, right? And then at St. Thomas, he had an illustrious career. Wonderful. Just crushed it every year. Won Mayak Championship after Mayak Championship. Now Jeff Besser's taken over the throne. But Jeff Besser, Duke, a.k.a. Duke, everybody knows him as yeah. Dukester. I mean, he's been there 36 years. I think he's the longest tenured coach in in uh, Division Three or One hockey as Duke Besser because he's been there almost since he stopped playing. And Duke Besser was an unbelievable high school player. I think oh. he made the Olympic team out of D3 out of St. Thomas. Yeah. So um, Duke Besser, uh, the Besser family, uh, was a Burnsville family, and they grew up in our neighborhood. When I, my, when my parents lived there before we moved to Minneapolis. And the fights and the games and the baseball and the football and the any game we could get with the Bessers, we knew we were going to come home with bloody face. Bloody, you know, they were just so much more athletic and so much more physical and aggressive. I mean, literally, there was, they put a, the Bessers put a stamp on Burnsville anything where they went. And wherever they did it, they did it well. And they were just, they were mean, and they were physical, and they were athletic, and they all they wanted to do was play sports. So yeah. it was a perfect move, place for us to live as a family. But it was, it was a tougher time back then. Oh, yeah, and you put Scry and Duke together. I mean, they they, they twenty probably a 20-year run, I think, at St. Thomas. Pretty close to that. I mean, Scry's a legend of the game, and I think he's probably a quiet legend that people – he probably doesn't get the credit he should. This is my the, point. Yeah, just, that, that the he longevity. Deserves. Oh, my God. Like but there, he was there's unbelievable. A, yeah, all he did is win. All he did is win. And, and uh, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, like, hey, he's the, he was the – there's no doubt he's the head coach. Like, yeah, you know, like he did. No question. And, and and he was fair, and he was honest, and he had integrity. But he was the, he was the head coach. Yeah. All right. So you've you've you coached a little bit. I think you also had a run in the private sector too before you got back into scouting, right? Oh yeah. How I, long I, was that? I, it was. I did two different stints. I worked at uh, Morgan Stanley. Yep. And I went, did all the all the all that stuff. I, think, I have a business card of yours somewhere. A Morgan. What was the other one? What was at Morgan company? Stanley. When I said Morgan Stanley, I coached in the high school elite league. Is right. when I did, did yep. that. Um, 
And then the other one was with, I, I worked for Mike Strobel, Charlie's dad. Yes. Yep, at Stryker Spine. And Mike Crawley was there too. He was, and Nick yes. Checko were two of the guys. That, so it was kind of a hockey crew. Yep. And I left Hamlin University and went to Stryker Spine and did that for a year. And then and then you went into scouting for Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah. Um, before we get into that, because we're going to talk about scouting, um, talk about some of your, you had a lot, I mean, you literally see the whiteboard, it's practically full of a lot of your coaching influences. You want to touch on a few of those guys who, who you coached with or coached you or you were with in the hockey world? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, like, I, there's names up there that Minnesota people wouldn't know. Like yeah, a Mar- I like those. Like Mark- but there's also the Dave Christians, too, yeah, so yeah. There's, there's a lot of them, right? Well, I, Dave Christian I worked with up in Fargo when I coached in the USHL for a year. Um, one thing, uh, Dave's a very honorable man, mm-hmm. high, high integrity, and he's a quiet man, too, but, you know, like, he he sees the game, and he he's he's wonderful. And I got to his son, Bo, ended up playing for me at Hamlin because I met yep. Bo when he was like nine years old, jumping on the trampoline when I was up there hanging out with Dave and Lisa at their house in Moorhead. But, you know, Dave, the one thing I, I really liked about him, he never swore, right? Like no. he always communicated. No. Never, never, never used need it. to. He never did. He never, ra- you know, like he, did, he got mad once and he might have said a bad word one time yeah. in the entire year. And I had never been around anybody that was that gentlemanly yeah. in, in my life. And yeah. to see that out of such a legendary, honorable thousand games, you know, right? Like done more, done more in hockey than, you know, like 99.9% of people, right? Gold medal, all the, all yeah, the, all the wonderful things he's Think done. Think about that. I fr- never thought about that too. Yeah. And how honorable and how uh, well he treated other people and was, you know, like, it was like, Hey, this is a really good human being. And this is someone that, you know, taught me patience and just, it's really it was a good experience being with them. So I made, coached, made me a better person. I coached with <laughs> you'll love this. I coached with Dave a couple couple for two seasons uh, for our team that play in the show, and he was he, yeah I'll come out and help. And I'm I'm expecting like this is Dave Christian, you know, like you just said all the things you just said, gentlemanly, smart, sees the game. Here I got my practice plan. I got you know the eight different drills we're gonna do, and and the reason we're gonna do the drills. We explain all the kids, and and uh, we get about three drills in and i'm like uh do you want to do something dave he's like no you're doing fine and i'm like okay so we just kept going and then you get to six drills and i'm like uh did you want to do something because no you're you're doing just fine you're doing just fine i'm like we ran about eight practices together and he never said a word the entire of the of the eight practices never said anything i'm like am i doing okay i I kept like trying to get reassured that i'm doing okay he goes yep you're doing just fine i'm like if i wasn't doing okay would you tell me he goes yep i'd tell you and that's and how he would. That's he would. He would. You, yeah, absolutely. Everything was. I got the blessing from yeah. Dave Christian. Yeah. He basically pushed the cones and pushed the pucks for me. Yeah. I was like I could get you know a ten year old out here to do this. Yeah. But know? he quietly motivated you. He did. They didn't even know he was, but you didn't want to disappoint I him. Didn't because, want to disappoint. Oh, yeah. these are yeah, the best practices he, I ever put together. Yeah, because he has that kind of aura about him. And you know what? If you weren't doing it right, he would step in. And but he wants you to be you. And if you're enjoying it, you know, like he's just not going to step in anybody's toes, and he's going to let you be you. And he's going to be him and he sees everything it's not oh. like he doesn't he processes everything he just doesn't he you know he, he listens more and speaks less it's a yeah. good lesson to learn what, what but that's he, hard to do not to make this dave christian hour but he's got, he just turned he's about 60 years old probably he just got his number retired 
in world. Think about how hard it is to get your number retired in world if it if you got to be sixty years old to finally get it done. At least they did it. <laughs> yeah, I know they did yeah. it, and they got his dad finally. And yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. All right, so you want to throw out a couple? Let's go some non Minnesotans up there on the board too. That that you know, this, I want to throw one at you too because it's a guy mm-hmm. named Mark Reeds. When I when I asked you about when I when I, we pre planned on the show, you said the first name on any of the names you threw out was this guy named Mark. I don't even know who the guy is, but he was the first name that came out of your mouth, and why is that? He was my biggest influence as far as tactically X's and O's systems. Yeah. He's the best guy I've been around. I, I think I have 18 names up there. <laughs> no one understood the game better than Mark Reeds. Who is he? I don't even know who he is. So he played at St. Louis. Uh, he was a, a grinder, a worker. at uh, played for the St. Louis Blues for 8, 10 so years. NHLer, so. yep. right? And then he coached, he coached with Paul McLean in the IHL, assistant coach in the NHL. He actually had uh, cancer, and he passed away a few years ago. And he was the assistant coach in Ottawa for five or, you know, I, I think five years. And he's kind of the tactical guy that would implement the systems and, and do those things. But he was, uh, where his, does, where did you coach them? I, Missouri River Otters in the U-Haul. Okay. Like we were an expansion. U-Haul team. is the United Hockey League, which is kind of the equivalent of the ECHL today. Correct. Right? Okay. Right. right. And it, it no longer exists, but we had an expansion team in Missouri at a brand in St. Charles, Missouri, brand new rank. My job was to get the, organize the team or GM of the team. He was, he was hired after I was, and my job was to sign the players. And then he came in and uh, was the head coach. And I was the assistant coach and they were kind of grooming me for another team. And they thought it'd be good for me to be the ownership thought it'd be good for me to learn under Mark. And he was, I mean, he was absolutely the things he did was just like, he had so much insight and just opened up the game to me on how to view it. And when he talked about players and he just saw everything, he had a, a next level of hockey sense or hockey intelligence with his coaching ability. And he was very patient. So he would let things develop. He wasn't quick to react. He just, he allowed things to happen. And it was like, sometimes it was magical. I'm like, I didn't see that. You know, like I just <laughs> didn't see that. And he's like, and then he explained why he would do something. I'm like, okay, I get that. I get it. Like what was his, was he the head coach? He was the assistant. He, I was the, the assistant. I was the assistant coach and GM. And then he, he and he was the head coach. He was the head coach. What he a, did. The, what a dynamic, right? Like you could pick the player and he's got to go coach him. Well, it was, you know, we had a business office and what have you, but I was there early and I had helped the uh, quad city mallards own the same ownership on Missouri. Oh, they own New Haven and they own Rockford. So they had four teams and they knew I was pretty good. At, I helped quad cities build some of their teams with players that I suggested for them. And just to, so for perspective, you told me this before we started the show, how many fans were at a, at a Quad Cities game? Well, I went down there. Justin McHugh and Dave Larson were two of my Minnesota guys that got me down there. And they're like, come down here and play when I was coaching at Simley High School. Yeah. And they said, come down here and play. And I'm like, it was on the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, all right. So my first game was actually on a road trip. And we went to Madison. And I didn't realize why no one wanted to play Madison. But they had link gates on the team they had this Wilcox guy <laughs> and Dave the Hammer Schultz was the coach yeah. and they're the the the, the Madison, missing link the missing link Madison Monsters were their name yeah. and they beat the hell out of everybody yeah. and I ju- I'm skating around warm but I never seen Link Gates like really he's a mountain yes and he drilled he, he I thought he was going to kill me I'm like hey I'm I'm not a fighter like <laughs> he didn't care he was a menace he che- oh, I I could tell you a few stories about him but so that was my first introduction so I'm like this gong show like what am I doing here right yeah. so they go, oh, come to a home game. So I went to a home game in Quad Cities like two weeks later. They needed their short players. I went down there, and it was sold out, 10,000 people. It was like a mini NHL NHL rink, right? They had skyboxes full, a loud music, light show. I was like, this this is like 
the NHL? And they're like, yeah, we know. I mean, it was crazy. And we had a really, we ended up winning the whole thing. We ended up winning 50 some games. We had Dynamite. John Anderson, who coached for yep. the, the Wild, but Matt Shaw coached at uh, Dubuque and then he coached at uh, North Dakota for so a Matt little Shaw while. was a coach? He or was an assist, assistant coach. Okay, all right. But John Anderson. He's, was, kinda, he's not that much older than us. I mean, yeah, he, he, you know, he got into coaching early. Okay, got it. Um, but John Anderson, and I actually learned a lot from John. He was a very patient guy, too. And he, he was an NHLer, right? He, and he, 600 games. Um, mm-hmm. And he coached Chicago Wolves in the IHL forever. And then the Wild with Boudreaux and here, best buddy. So he was here. And his son actually ended up playing for me when uh, I was at Hamlin. We got him coming in there. So, really? Yeah. What was his name? Uh, so, um, God, it just escaped me there for a second. But he was he played for us. And, and okay. he was he was outstanding. Like, came in. We played Adrian College. And we, yeah. had, we hadn't. We haven't played. Adrian was undefeated, seventy-five and zero, because he never got to play in the national tournament because they're an expansion team. Yeah, he came in and he scored, scored uh, three goals in the game we played, and we beat him like six-five. And they didn't know who he was, and they're like, "Who's the Anderson kid?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Johnny Anderson." You know, like, "Hey, what, 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 so it was, uh, it was." Uh, and then he only played for half a year for us because he was played in the. It was, anyways, but this whole circle is intertwined, right? So yeah. John Anderson was our coach. We ended up winning the whole thing. We had a parade, like 20,000 people. They took us to Las Vegas, paid for our flights, our and hotel. And you're in your 20s at this point, yeah. right? So flights, hotels, uh, shows, gave us cash for gambling. Like, we, we could not have been treated any better than we were with the Quad City Mallards. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't. You were play. hooked, right? Well, I was like, this is crazy. And then I got to know those people. I went back into coaching because I was part-time for them, and I ended up playing really well for them. They liked me, and I did some good things in the playoffs, so I ended up being in their system for four years and uh, built two other expansion teams, whereas GM of two other expansion so teams. you kind of became more of the business ops, hockey ops for well, these guys, Well, I, right? I was kind of their recruiter, and I, I set up their teams for them because I – had a knack for finding players. And right. so I set up the Missouri River Otters expansion team. We won the most games as an expansion franchise. And we went to the playoffs, won like 45 games. And then I went to New Haven. Paul Gillis was coach, same deals with Mark Reeds. Paul Gillis coached in a long time. His brother New was Haven, G- Connecticut. Right? Yeah. Brother was a GM in uh, Vancouver for a while, all this kind of stuff. But Paul was great. And we ended up uh, setting another franchise for expansion teams, won 40 some games and kick butt. And, uh, and then, uh, Went to the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. I'd like to get your map. I mean, because you've been uh, all over the place. Oh, yeah. You just all over the place. So And not afraid, right? Well, I don't mind moving. I mean, I moved all over. I mean, that's just what we do. All right. So let's talk. We don't have a lot of time left, believe it or not. I want to I want to roll up our sleeves a little bit and talk about um, the, the the scouting. Yep. You've been an NHL scout for... Spencer Anderson. That's right. right. Yeah. Hey, it happens to me I all the time. I know. It happens to me all the time. He I'll was be, so I'll good, be on a, too. I'll be doing the high school hockey podcast, and I'll be like. You get so many names running through your head, yeah, and I he know, was such like, a big uh, part of it. I love him, too. For me, it's always like Larry Olam or somebody. You know, like somebody really good. Like, how can I remember Larry Olam's name, you know? Well, and you asked me a question before we started. Who's the best player you ever played with? Yeah. And for me, it was Larry Olam. And, I, you know, I played with Hard some, to argue with that. In college, like he's he, not even the best player from World. Uh, he, you know, he, yeah. Well, that's but in college, like my freshman, so when when he would be on the ice, he did things that I never seen anybody do. Yeah, and he was so magical. He didn't skate. The fa- the only thing that kept him out of the NHL, like you know, there was a tweet out there about best player not never playing made. It, yeah, but Larry Olin might be that guy because he was so good. His just he didn't have the speed, but his brain and his skill. 
He was phenomenal, phenomenal, like out of this world. Uh, first team All-American, should have been a Hobie Baker finalist, all that kind of stuff. And he, I don't know how he slipped kind of through the cracks of the hi- hockey history. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. But he was so good, like it, so wonderful. It, funny you should say that because if you put a gun to my head, if you asked me, said, Tony, did Larry Olin play forward or D? I couldn't, I don't know if I could get that one right. He played both. He That's played my the, point. Yeah, I mean, in college, could you imagine today if a guy played? Yeah, you're, you need to get to play some forward today. I mean, that's pretty rare. Tyler Nanny is about the only one I can remember in at the U of M in the last twenty years that's done both. Well, he only played like seven games at forward, and then he didn't want to do it, so he bitched and complained about <laughs> oh, it. Was he, yeah, were you on the, yeah, were you the, on the, on the team? Staff? Yeah. <laughs> we put him up there because he could skate so well and yeah. he check, so we thought he'd be good energy, and we're looking for energy, but he didn't like it. He's like, I'm not playing. Larry, I'm well, Larry he played forward when he was a U. Tyler did. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would imagine because the skating is just so he, good. He just has he's an unbelievable skater, so he can get on pucks. I mean, that's what we liked about him, right? But he, he liked the defense. So, oh yeah. Larry oh, Olam. Yeah. Larry Olam was the smartest, most clever, crafty, oh. slick, funny. I, I I remember one time when he was playing forward, and I was supposed to change for him. Yeah. And he stayed out for my entire shift. That's then, a Waro thing. Right, don't worry. Right, don't right. take it. Don't take it personal. And he doesn't see. He's like a little bit Waro Dave Christian. Larry didn't. Larry talks much more now than he did when he was playing. But uh, he came off, and uh, and I'm like, hey, Larry, that was my shift. And he's like, <laughs> he, he goes, yeah, sorry about that. And I go, it's okay. You're better than I am. You know, you probably did more than I would anyway. So it's okay. And he started laugh. You know, just smile. But uh, you know, like he just. He didn't. He wasn't looking at. He just played like he had but the they, puck the whole time. That's, that's, like he the, so, that's, that's magic. That's what it is in more. They're playing. You know, they have the the free ice up there. They're just pond hockey their entire lives. Like they're used to kind of maybe going about eighty five percent the whole time. Yeah, right? they have the puck the whole, the whole time. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, puck. I'm in there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not coming off. Yeah, why would I have the puck? I'm not going to dump the puck to change. I got no, the puck. I the puck the whole time. I know. I know. All right, let's talk about scouting. You've had a you you had a run with uh, the Penguins and now you're with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, just for our editorial we can't talk about specific players anything specific so if, if you think that we're I'm not asking about this I would like to ask but let's just stick to some of the more high level stuff on the scouting business right yeah that's yeah that's kind of I mean we have tri- whatever you know like there's just certain things we don't yeah, talk yeah, about we just can't yeah. it's yeah. fine but but I think what I'd like to do is roll up our sleeves a little bit and talk about scouting and, and roles with a professional hockey team uh um, I, I know that I know Derek Plant and uh, Jamie Lang and Brunner, for example, uh, work in player development. You don't work in player development. Once the draft is over or free agency is over, you pretty much hand the baton off to guys like that in the organization, correct? Absolutely. We all have our roles, and their role is to work with those players once we draft them. And they do, and that's all they do. Well, that's not all they do, but that's their main role. And, and they, they do it very well. So, and, and, they, and you'll see them at ranks, right? They'll come to a, a D1 game and, and watch their drafted player. They'll come to you. USHL games and watch their drafted player, correct? Well, and they're in communication with those players as well, and they have a better feel. We, you know, it's dangerous when you come into one game and then you're explaining to a player, like, what they should do or not do as a scout. It's like, that's not our job. Like, we don't have the whole picture of it, and we don't have that relationship, that type of relationship with that player. Right. So, like, Derek and Jamie – that's what they do very well, and they they can give them, you know, a lot of teams have those guys are usually ex-players yeah. just because they can relate a little bit, like, hey, if they play in the Jamie didn't play in the AHL, I don't think right, so. But, right. but they can explain, you know, they, they, they have a feel for what those kids are going through, and, and they give them a good perspective, and, they, and they're and they usually pretty 
you know, probably financially stable and they're not pressured to do things and they're just doing it because they love the game and they want right. to get back and they're like, it's, it's a really great position to have. If you have that position, the, yeah. the guys that have those positions really like them yeah. and it's real rewarding and you know, it's a, it's a nice thing. Then the other scout, which we're going to get to years last, the other scout is like a, a, a scout who goes and watches the other professional teams. There's, there are people in your scouting department that that's their job is to go watch to pre-scout ahead. You know, we're going to play the wild. We're going to play the, Lightning, we're gonna, and they pre-scout those games, right? Well, how, well, how many guys in the, on the Maple Leafs are there for that job? I don't know the exact number, but, you know, like that's what the video coaches do. Like every team has a full-time video. Some teams right. have multiple video coaches. So, you know, like they usually go, I, I don't know if they go three. They don't go much out of three games because it's such right. a now, you know, yeah. information now processing. But if the Wild were playing Chicago the next night, they'd have – the game already cut up, like the entries, exits, power play, penalty kill, tendencies, goalie, you know, they'd have it all broken down probably in about so a 15-minute clip. they don't even go to the clip. building. They, they do it all via video. Yeah, video. I didn't know that. Yeah, there, there are some guys, like, you get into the playoffs. What what happens is the the pro scouts that are doing, they'll do some pre-scouting. Like, when I was in Pittsburgh, Derek Clancy was our guy that would go and pre-scout teams and write the notes up and give, you know, bios on all the players and just say, hey, these are tendencies and things like that. Uh, every team does that to some degree. But the coaching staffs and the video guys, they kind of, that's a guy's job to pre-scout every game for them not every game they do that all right so let's get to the role of similar to football i guess you know like that's how it would be all right so let's get to the role to the amateur scout right um uh you're gonna watch just from my understanding you're gonna watch u.s high school actually minnesota high school uh you're gonna watch ushl and you're gonna watch college and college for mostly for the unrestricted free agents right so that's your. That's who you're looking at, right? Well, the unrestricted free agents. We have a staff that actually works with free agents okay. or undrafted players. Yep. Um, so we actually have people that do that. We might give them the heads up, but that would be their, you know, their call. Like that's their department. So right. they're searching, and that might college is just one piece of that puzzle for them. So they right. have guys that are watching college. I mean, they can be major uh, junior. There can be free agents in major junior in the USHL yep. um, over in Europe. That's where a lot of guys come from, Europe or what have you. So there, there's actually staff that does that. We'll, you know, we'll give them if we're at a college game watching a draft eligible player. In in uh, Pittsburgh, my role was I was in. It, that was part of my job description was to look for the college free agents. Right. And Billy Guerin, who actually is the GM of the Wild, yeah, was our guy that handled the uh, the free agents. So I actually interacted with him quite a bit on that particular front. And then in Toronto, we have guys that do that. So my job, more my role in Toronto is just the amateur, and I don't get too involved in the free agency. So before we – let's just get this on the table right away. Uh, During the hockey season, how many hours a week are you working? Well, you know, it's funny. I know we talked about that. It's hard to put into – uh, perspective to people because you know like I, you're on the road so you you know you could say like if I go Friday Saturday Sunday games like those are 24 hour shifts right I'm I'm working because I'm not going home I can't right. do anything else right so you know you can go boom boom you're 48 hours in two days you know like fireman has the 48 on and yeah, four yeah. days off like yeah. our our shifts end up being like 48 hour or 24 hour shifts because you're gone you're yeah. in the hotel you're traveling you're driving you're flying and you're going to the next one so i don't know you can and then you watch video and you do reports and you you know like it's if if you don't have passion for it and you don't love it and and you think it it's get work, stale pretty quick and you think it's work then it's not the job for you if you don't view it as work and you have a passion for it and you enjoy it then you know then you're okay but 
Uh, otherwise, you know, it's a lifestyle, I would say, more than a – there's no clock to punch. It's a you, lifestyle. Usually you aren't at a game on a Sunday. There's pretty rare there's high school or USHL games on Sunday occasionally, right? Yeah, the USHL will usually have a couple sprinkled in there at 2 yep. o'clock or something, so you're home by Sunday night or what have you. And then Mondays are pretty rare too in the USHL. Mondays are and, rare. And high school. So those will be yeah. – but the other five days a week, it's – you're about probably four, four out of those five, almost five out of five every one of those games once the season starts in October. Yeah, I would say as a statement? scout, your 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 days off are Monday, Wednesday, probably. Monday, there's not a lot of games on Monday or Wednesday, and but you might be traveling because you don't, you know. And, like, and Sunday, you're probably catching up on reports, right? Well, you could, yeah. That's what a lot of us, you know, like you're you're the, the reports are the thing that can build up on if you don't get them done. That was that, the next question. Is like, what goes in? I'm not, I'm not, I want exact details of it what goes into a report how long does it take uh does it change from from as a report look different in october than it does in february is it the same thing every time the formatting is all the same okay that i didn't time, know i have yeah, no, no idea no, no. It, it is the formatting is all the same um you know it just it it takes time because you're trying to put in detail and you're trying to paint a picture of what a player is right and you, you know everybody in your organization is reading that report and trying to. It's all get, open. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, it's, net, we, right? we don't see each other's reports, but you know our upper management and our crossover guys and our director of scouting all see the reports. So they're looking at those and saying, "Oh, do I need to go see that kid?" Because you know I have three, you know, pretty consistent reports on a kid where he's playing really well or what have you. So everybody sees those. So you want to do try to paint that picture for them because they're not at the games or they're not seeing them, but just give them an idea who this player is and what they are. So it takes, you know, you, it at minimum an hour minimum and usually set up like, you know, at the game you might enter lines and stuff, but everything's computerized. So there's right. a little bit of setup time and prep time. And then there's, you know, like you want to get it right. And so you might, sometimes you might go back and watch video of a, you know, a game because you're like, well, I saw this or I, I wasn't sure on this. And, so I mean, there it's it's a little longer process than people would probably. Yeah, it's it, it's not an easy job. That's it, for sure. it, yeah, because you got to remember, like whatever you say stays with that player for ever, forever. Yeah, like whatever you write doesn't get erased. There's no do over. It's like you know yeah. we all make mistakes. A lot of pressure. Too. You know, like uh, it, it, yeah. There, I mean, it is. You ever had that where you write it in a report and you're like, Ugh, maybe I shouldn't have written that, or it is what it uh, is. Right? Every, everybody does that. Everybody, okay, all right. There, so there, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there. We all. No one gets it perfect, and you know, even the spelling. Sometimes you, you know, like you're going through things. You're like, you know, like twelve at night or whatever, and you typo. And you look, you look right? at a report from past that you're, and you go. I spelled that wrong or, you know, like, Oh, what was right. I, what, 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 grammatically you're like, what the, what, what, you know, so that does happen. Um, but you know, like everybody that's in the business kind of understands what it is. So right. it's like, you know, it, it, there's a process to it, but it, it's time consuming for sure. So in the, one of the things that maybe people don't know who are listening to this is you, I don't know how many interviews you, you participate in, but you are to interview players too, while you're on the road, right? Yeah. That's part of the process. Like, uh, a lot of teams don't necessarily want you to do it right after our organizational wants to be respectful of the team. So we'll call yep. ahead to the coaches or usually contact a coach and say, Hey, is it okay if we can talk to the player after the game? Just so there's no, we don't want to surprise or jump anybody. And, right. So, so player X, you're going to interview yeah, on, X, in Fargo. Yeah. And, can, and, and we're going to be here. Yeah. Can we, can we set aside 10 minutes after the game? Just, and that's just kind of get a feel for what the kid's like as a person. And we have 
specific things we ask yeah. them. And I'm not asking. Yeah, every team does I'm not going to ask you that question. Yeah. But I want to, I want to, and you, you, we talked to us before we turned the recorder on is, is give me a good story of, of an interview that you, that you remember, whether it be Pittsburgh or Toronto. Well, when I, when I was at Pittsburgh, William Nylander, who plays for Toronto right now, I was at Pittsburgh. We didn't have a first round pick, so you, you still want to interview guys. And I was just at, in case. Yeah, right? I was. You never know. This is trade. almost for trades or for down the road for drafting or right. Absolutely, all these things. Absolutely right? for trades. You just want to get a feel for a kid because he's a highly skilled kid coming out. You know, like coming out of the draft, maybe a top ten pick. And you never know. You may trade. Things happen on the draft floor. You have, and he's you, in the room at the combine, he's in, right? And, yeah, because I went up to the. It was in Buffalo, and I was one of the guys in the room doing the interviews with Pittsburgh and. You got we, your questions. Yeah, well, and this they, kid walks I, in. We have, you know, Sweden, you have your right? sports psychologist. And you have all these people and stuff, and you probably it, got the 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 the, the, the test thing thing out. The, the whole heartbeat. yeah, the, yeah, the lie detector <laughs> right, test. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, a pulse, uh, heart monitor, all that. But yeah. uh, he came in and he sat down. He's a very confident, young man, and he's. Are know, they all that confident? No, no, it's wide range. Like it, 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 the spectrum is, it's, it, it's, a, it goes. Up and down that thing, like it's. And if you're it, coaching somebody, would you? Where would you want them to? If you were, if your son was going into this room, what would you say to him? Yeah, say, the, don't be too cocky, right? Well, I don't. You know, like there's something to being confident too. Like there's a yeah. there's a fine line between being confident and cocky, and you know, some of it's immaturity. And so, I mean, this is why everybody does. It's difficult to get it's right. Almost like just be yourself, right? Well, just be whoever you are. If you're yeah. cocky and you're arrogant or whatever, just let it roll. Wh- right? Whoever you are, be who you are. Is my best advice to anybody. Yeah. Probably That's pretty much advice. in life or anything you do, just be who you are. We can adjust to who you are. Yeah, right. We can't adjust to you if you're someone you 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 you're shifting all the time, right? right? Like just be who you are. Well, we Nylander was who he is, and I think he probably I don't know him personally, even though he plays for Toronto because I don't interact with the players, but. And a lot of people don't realize the amateur guys we don't interact with. My friends are like, "Can you get tickets to Toronto?" You know, and I I'm, asked you for tickets. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was when you're like, "No, I can't even get them for myself." Yeah, right? I'm like, "Well, if you have four hundred dollars, we'll get you some upper decks." Because NHL they make money and they don't give away tickets, and they're not giving an amateur scout. So they're you no, know, like, I, and I didn't know, but my son was going there. I'm like, "Well, I, all I could do is ask." Yeah, right? but people don't real, realize that, and I didn't realize that. I asked uh, actually Darby for tickets on the road game once, and I got the bill, and it was like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> Paid for it, and I'm like, I call him. You know, he was my. It was same year we were roommates, yeah. and I'm like, should I pay eight hundred dollars for those? He goes, yeah. And I go, what the? I went to ask you for it. And he's <laughs> no, like, no. he goes, hey, it's okay. He goes, but let's not do it all the time. I go, I didn't know yet because in college you get four free ones right. for your family. So I just assumed that I was still in college that he. But for pro hockey, no, there's no one gets free tickets, and a lot of the players actually, the big money players, will buy a suite for the year and they donate it out and different right. things. But there's no freebies, like because they right. want to make money. Toronto, my Toronto, God, good God, no, you know, like, it, it, and that's just business, and so right. that that's fine. But oh, so back to Nylander, he came in and our directors interviewed him, and he said to him, he goes, "Ah, well, you, you think you'll go in the top ten, or where do you think you'll go?" And he goes, "Well, yeah, of course." Yeah, I mean, you guys seen me play. I mean, he goes, I'm really good. And we, and I just started laughing. You know, it was it was just like, yeah, I'm good. What do you mean? I'm the one of the best in the world. And he just said it like that, and it was great. And I just started, well, I just kind of started laughing. He was dead serious. And I'm like, and you know what? He is. He is really good. And he is and one of the best. And he did go eighth overall, Eighth right? overall. So I'm like, it was, it, but it was just kind of funny how he was. You know, like just so, yeah, of course, why not? You, <laughs> you see me play? You see me play? And I'm like, yeah, we have. You know, like he's right. He's pretty good. So, yeah, you wouldn't find a kid from Minnesota saying that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little different, but 
you know, like he was who he is, and I appreciate the fact that that's who the kid is, you know, or the player was at that time, and, yeah. you know, like, good for him. He believes yeah. in himself, so. All right, so uh, let's wrap this up. I want to just do a couple more stories just about, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, we talked about your coaching influence, um, talked about the best player. Who's the funniest player you ever played with? Hands down, Benny Hankinson. Like, anybody that's played with Benny, he is absolutely – He's a funny man. He's. He, I got a story for you. He, he's off the wall. Like. I'll, I'll, I'll. I maybe can do better. Well, like, I'm sure going. you can. Go ahead. I mean, if you no, got no, you one, go yeah. first, and I'll, I'll do a Ben well, Hankinson I, There's story. fifty of them. I wasn't even there, but I saw it, and it, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It, it, any, any, anybody that knows Ben, and Ben's like Ben is one of the quiet biggest influencers in hockey in oh, the state of time. Minnesota, oh, Minnesota that, especially, and humble. Like you don't know it because he never lets you know. He always, he's always, you know, like you just don't know, but. I mean, he's wired. He's dialed in. Big and time. the NHL level, he can get anything done that he'd want to get done if he so chose. But he's he's a very good person. He does a lot of good things for a lot of people and a lot of players. Like, he's one of my favorite people. But he's funny. Like, he's he's flat out. What's your funny story? He, he's, he, he's like off. Well, I, first time I met him, like, I, I was walking into the field house at the U of M. And I never don't even know who I don't know who all these guys are on the Gophers, right? Because right. I never well, they don't have I, their jerseys yeah, on them. They you know, don't we didn't play. Back, right? I, I didn't play on any All Star teams, or I didn't know any of these guys, right? Yeah. And they're doing a forty yard dash, and uh, Jack Blatherwick's out there with this stopwatch, and he's doing all this training stuff. And I actually was walking in the room, and there's a guy barefoot, no shirt, no pants. He had a thong on, and he's running a forty yard dash, <laughs> full speed down there. And I'm like, with a jock strap on, right? Basically, yeah. yeah I think yeah. it might have been just a thought. I don't know if it's, it was, but I was like, what is, the, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's Benny Hankinson. He's our captain. And I'm like, good Lord. And he's smiling, you know, big smile. It's just laughing the whole time. I'm just like, good Lord. That was my first introduction. Then I played with him. And then, you know, like I was very quiet. So he'd always tell me, hey, you got to talk more. Well, you know, he's always, he, but we were up in Michigan Tech and I had a line change for him and I was going, and he doesn't, he does, he has so many stories that he didn't even remember them. But right. I was going to jump over the boards for him and he kind of pushed me back in and he like, I don't know, fell on me kind of and he's holding me and he's like, well, he won't let me go. He won't, I don't want, Bell won't change, you know, and I'm like nervous because I want to play and, yeah, you yeah. know, like, and he's just, messing around and you know and then i get out there and he's laughing i mean there's a thousand like anybody that's played with him like he and billy garen were roommates and in, in yeah pro. yeah and billy garen told me a story that you know he went in the shower <laughs> and he came out and they had to go down the lobby and his suit was missing and he's like yeah i've heard this one. oh yeah so he went, went down the lobby he's like benny he, someone did you take my suit what are you doing he, benny was wearing a suit you know yeah, so he did that to chorsky too yeah i mean he does goofy stuff all day long like and you know he does a wonderful job for his clients and you know like he's just a good person but he's funny he he's i, I can't even get into the stories cuz there's so many of them but and and i just i'm i mean i don't hang out with him every day or know him that well it like would be the, hard. People, the people so the funny. people that like he and Chris McAlpine are best buddies, but uh, you know, like he's the funniest man I played with. So I was, uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, Doug Evenson. He's a f- kid who went to Edina High School. I knew him really well at the University of Minnesota. He took his life 30 years ago, 20, 30 years. God, it was 1990, uh, 30 years ago. And they have a benefit form every year, the Ever Open, they call it. Doug, Doug Evenson, uh, they call him Ever. Um, and, uh, they had a, I don't know if it was last summer or two summers ago, it was on Facebook or somebody shared a video and I opened it up and it was on, and I was like, it was Ben Hankinson 
you know, you go golfing, you got your nice pants, you got your nice shorts, your nice shirt, and your hat. I don't know if it was after the round, he must have gone and changed. I don't think he wore this as his outfit the entire round, but he had a pair of literally jean shorts that were literally two inches. You know, they, they were basically Daisy Dukes, and he was running around, and he was putting people on his shoulder and just being a complete clown. But it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And you're not surprised at all by, by him wearing Daisy Dukes, right, on well, a golf course. Well, there's certain people that try to be funny, and they work at it, and they almost, like, will go over the top just to try to get a reaction. Yeah. No, this is who That's he is. That's just who he is. Yeah, it's He's his personality. You can't clown. you can't replicate it because it's who he is. Like you know, like be true to yourself. Yeah. He's true to himself, and you know, I've seen people try to be funny, but they're not because it's not you know it's forced. He's he's uh, he he's like that all day long. It's got to be from his mom's side of the family because I caddied for his dad, and I know Casey pretty well. I know Peter pretty well. Peter and Casey are like his dad, so the mom has got to have some clowns on that side of the family because it's a it's a it's a great family and eat paint chips or something. Yeah, probably that's what know. it was. All right, I think we've pretty much covered it all, haven't we? Yeah, yeah we've knocked it all out. You've been a great guest. Uh, lots of good stories. We've gone from the beginning of uh, getting invited to play hockey from from uh, Troy Campbell all the way to the end of, of your coaching and uh, scouting here at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Any, any other further thoughts to, to f- finish it off, Mr. Bell? No, I just like what Youth Hockey Hub does. I think you're good, you know, a good venue and a good platform for Minnesota hockey, and you do a lot of nice things for a lot of people, and you're always positive, and that's why I like to contribute to what you do because you never say anything negative about people. You always bring in the positive, and you do a lot of nice things for a lot of people. So I appreciate being on the show. Well, we appreciate it, too. We go way back in the very first squirt B state championship game. Uh, who was on that team? Jake Boltman. Soderling. Soderling. <laughs> Soderling. Boltman won a state title. Soderling got to the semis yeah. at St. Thomas. I um, think Ovi was on that, Overman. Overman was on the team. Um, there was, and the kid from Blake, Whitsky. Whitsky, yeah, Whitsky well, was Whitsky, on that Whitsky's team. Whitsky's my best buddy. Yeah, how about Whitsky? Blake this year, too? How what a good wonderful, are they? Well, what a wonderful year for they them. They all, hey, just for the record, they all played squirt bees, and it's okay to be on the B team, right? It's, it's okay to, hey, 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 it's okay to be on the B team. It's okay Absolutely. to be on the B team. Life will go on. If you got the passion, if you got the drive, you go to Sioux City and you work in a sewer. Yeah, and, and you work in a sewer. It actually was a sewer. And literally everything will turn out if you work hard. That's the, that's the true message here why well, I, I like that message actually it's a true that's, message. A, that's a good message so for scott bell i'm tony scott thanks for tuning in to the pizza pod love is a burning place